Ignition sequence starts. Three, two, one. Welcome back to University Everybody, the podcast where we explore the hard-hitting questions about Earth, existence, and the unknown. I'm AJ Perrin. With me, as always, is... Judson Martin. Today, we are going to be talking about how the moon formed. Yeah, wow. That's profound. It was a topic that was voted on by our Patreon subscribers. Um, So thanks to those guys who were uh, letting us know what we need to be talking about. Yeah, I think there's there's more to the moon than meets meets the the eye. Yeah. Before we jump into anything... It's typical that we'd get through our news and brain gain segments first. First off, from a not-so-reputable source that we will keep our eye on, (laughs) China is... Great way to start a sentence. Um, China is developing a mini-nuclear battery. So a Beijing startup named uh, Betavolt Technology is working on this. It's about the size of a coin, um, and it uses radioactive decay as the power source coupled with diamond superconductors. So essentially... Radioactive materials produce more energy than non-radioactive materials while they decay. We know this because NASA has used this for propulsion technologies like in the Cassini spacecraft. That was actually part of the way it fueled its thrusters is it had a nuclear battery on board that would decay over time and they can capture that energy. Now, the other big part of that, though, is the diamond superconductors because, Judd, you've taken materials... I've taken materials courses. We know that diamond is one of, one of, if not like the best conductor. Not a superconductor, sorry. I'm using the wrong term. A semiconductor. Um, and it's really good at conducting electricity. And be, they have to use the best of the best, a.k.a. diamond, because radioactive decay is not the best source of energy. And so they need to be able to draw that as efficiently as possible and transfer the energy as efficiently as possible. So the battery is supposed to last like 50 years, just constantly emitting energy it's not like a yeah that seems like a really small amount of energy though i think the really impressive part is just the size because it's small but like you said good for long endurance stuff like space flights and or like medical technologies that might be embedded in a person yeah it could be be constantly yeah i'd like to have radioactive stuff inside my body i know it sounds bad but they've probably got more of that figured out um than we think if they shield it well enough it could work but uh, yeah that i don't think that would work yeah Next would be, this is from a while ago, but I, I keep a kind of a running list of stuff I want to talk about on news, and this one just kind of slipped past. Back in like mid-December, do you remember when I posted on our Instagram that NASA had streamed that like video of a cat to... Yeah. Yeah, so they launched um, an experiment aboard the Psyche spacecraft headed to the asteroid Psyche um, called their Deep Space Optical Communications Experiment. It's a near-infrared laser communication technology that they used to send data from extremely long distances, like what they'd call like, quote unquote, deep space. So the nice thing is the speed of the communications can reach like up to 260 megabits per second, which is faster than my Wi-Fi is on Earth, you know? You got nice Wi-Fi. Yeah. Well, I'm in in the last place I worked, we got a gigabyte per uh, gigabit per second, which is a thousand of those. But still, 260 is like way more than anybody needs yeah you know by the way i don't think i said this maybe i did it was a cat video like a video of this um somebody that works at the nasa jet propulsion laboratory their cat named taters they took a video of it like chasing a laser pointer 
and streamed it back and forth from the spacecraft. Um, so imagine this gets to Psyche and we want to transmit high definition photos and videos extremely quickly. But yeah, it takes 101 seconds for it to get from the spacecraft to NASA, which is pretty impressive considering it's traveling, I think, 19 million miles. Is that written down? Yeah, 19 million miles. They can stream a 15 second video uh, that fast. So this is beating out their traditional like radio communication technology. Yeah. I mean, yeah, then we'll get some more high resolution stuff. I think in the the episode about Enceladus, when we talked about the Cassini spacecraft, when it would orbit Saturn, they have to like wait for it to get around and like line up the orbits, and then they can transfer the data. So probably. I guess the more you can send at once, the less you have to do it over and over. That's also probably true. I you, don't know. At that near infrared spectrum, I think you can pack more encoded data into those lasers. So anyway, moving on, um, Sierra Space is a company that we haven't talked about ever on the show before, which is kind of a tragedy because I've just discovered them recently and they're doing some cool stuff. Um, I actually would like to have somebody that works there on the show. Anyway, Sierra Space is developing a new kind of space station where it inflates rather than is assembled as individual units. Um, And there's a lot of benefits that you can get from using a bubble um, first off being it takes way less volume on the spacecraft it's launched on to get it into orbit. Basically, they're shooting up Big Hero 6. They're shooting yeah, up the Baymax, guy, exactly. Baymax, and then they're blowing them up. Yeah. Okay, cool. Three stories tall for just one unit and then 20 meters wide. And if you know anything about the size or like the dimensions of the, what do you call it, the ISS modules now, like they're pretty small. Like you could stand yeah. and like touch each side, right? It's not like claustrophobic close, but it's not that big. Anyway, the layers that create the bubble, there's multiple layers. I think there's like nine. They become stronger than steel when they're inflated, the way that they work together and bind together, which is cool. And just for reference, it took 30 flights to assemble the ISS, 30 assembly flights plus or over 30. Um, but we could achieve one third of the volume of the ISS in just one flight. The reason I bring it up is because recently, I think in late January, they did what was called a max pressure test. So NASA had them like come in and bring their unit and then fill it up and overfill it and try to get to explode. Well, it did explode at 77 PSI, which is a good thing because this is much greater than what NASA recommends for the operating pressure. It has to pass the threshold of like about 60 PSI, which is 15 being the operating pressure that they expect, 15 PSI, multiplied by what they call like a safety factor of four. So it's four times as safe as what they expect it to be inflated at. Yeah. Um, and it even passed that at 77. So that's pretty cool. That seems like, I mean, a lot of pressure, like the your car tires. I thought are, you were just making a pun. Oh. Okay. They're under a lot of pressure. No, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, space, making something that's going to fly around space would be pretty high stakes. Anyway, Sierra's got another thing they're working on. Uh, It's called their Dream Chaser space plane. I can't really describe to you how it looks. I just recommend that you go look it up instead. Um, It looks a lot like a really small space shuttle with a little more round features to it. I think it looks like the interstellar. I was going to say that too. Yeah, mixed with interstellar. Yeah, it's got that just kind of like more futuristic look to it. Um, anyway, so they're working on that um, as part of a contract that they were awarded back in 2016 um, to do resupply missions to the ISS. Point is that they brought the Dream Chaser, they being Sierra Space, brought the, brought the Dream Chaser and its two cargo modules to the Neil Armstrong test facility, and then they're putting it through subsequent testing, like vibration testing and in a thermal vacuum chamber and stuff like that to make sure it's spaceworthy, essentially. But that's exciting. I'm not sure when that launches, but... I know that they're going through that testing phase now. Uh, the bubble, and then we have the Balenciaga spacesuits. 
Oh, I thought that was Prada. No, maybe it is. I, uh, I forgot. But yeah, once we're traveling in space planes in in whatever, Prada. yeah, Prada <laughs> spacesuits to a giant, live in a giant bubble. I think it would take the exact same amount, if not more, to pop this than the space station. Yeah. I'm just realizing we forgot the cups. All of a sudden, I'm feeling very parched. All right, let's move on to brain gains. All right. All right. Go ahead. So basically, um, this is the thing I saw on a TikTok. Everything I introduced on brain gains was on a TikTok. I think that social media, I can't say it's all bad because we post on there all the damn time. Well, um, we're the best people on there. but It's true. Yep. Yep. Fight, single-handedly fighting misinformation. Mm-hmm. Um, no, but I... I I don't know. I like this fact. Basically, there's two sizes or shapes of butter sticks, okay? So if you live east of the Rocky Mountains, Judd, actually, well, so what's your butter stick? What's your shape of it? What do you mean? Like, like what, is it, what does it look like? It's a stick of butter. Okay, yeah, okay, perfect. So this is, this is correct then. So east of the Rocky Mountains, um, we have the long sticks of butter. They're called an Elgin stick, named after Elgin, Illinois, but then... California in the 1960s started surpassing the Midwest production of, including Illinois, the production of butter, um, and they had developed their own stick shape, um, which was helping them to surpass the, the production or whatever. And in that shape is a, just a big brick called a Western Stubby. Um, if you live west of the Rocky Mountains, you have the Western Stubby. So it's just like a larger Yeah, it's like a stick. Th- I'd say it looks like three by w- or two by one versus the sticks kind of look more like one by four. <clears throat> anyway, that's all I got. You got anything, Judd? So, you know, following along with the, <laughs> the topic of this episode, you know, we're going to talk, mine is about moons. So if you have a moon of a moon, it's called a moon moon. I don't, pretty cool. I don't believe that those have ever been identified though. It's, I'm still waiting for you to identify a situation where a moon moon's been been found. Maybe it doesn't have to exist. It's just the fact that if it did, we have something that we can call it, and that's moon moon. I guess. Okay, so I'm going to start coming up with my, my uh, profession is going to be coming up with stuff that we haven't discovered or coming up with the names for stuff we haven't discovered yet. Do it. Like, um, got to think on my toes here. No, I guess it takes more than <laughs> I thought to create moon moon. Yeah, quit hating on moon moon. Um, anyway, let's get, let's get right into it. We know the earth is four and a half billion, or do you want to take a break, Judd, before we jump into this? Sure. All right, let's take a break. Welcome back to university, everybody. (laughs) It's time to jump. We've already done that. Yeah. Um, no, no, no. Well, welcome back from, from the, break. the break. Oops. Wrong nomenclature. Yeah. The earth has been around for four and a half billion years and the earth spent most of its early life or much of its early life in a hot state, in a molten state, um, orbiting around the newly formed sun. And a big um, feature of this time period, this time period is called the Hadean. Something that ha- was happening quite often in this was that giant rocks, the sizes of small planets were colliding with one another at 75 times the speed of sound. I bet at one point one of those was a moon moon. No, it probably was. Think about it. Mm-hmm. No evidence, man. Yeah, the tree fell The tree fell in that space forest and nobody heard it. So you who's to you, say it happened? You thought you cooked. I did cook. No, I thought that was pretty good. It was good. Oh, okay. Um, anyway, so an important event during this time period was 
the arrival of our moon, but it's not quite clear yet as to how that came to be. So that's what we're talking about today. There's a few different theories. Um, Some of them make more sense than others, and one of them makes a lot of sense. We think so, at least. Mm -hmm. And 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 these aren't just theories like people's theories, you know, like you go on TikTok and see theories about butter sticks. This is like... I'm sure you would find it on TikTok. Right. Probably on some like dumb like podcast page that yeah, a, too, yeah, a really dumb podcast page about space is probably somewhere where you'd hear these theories, like stuff like Moon Moon. Yeah, but basically, like these are these were real theories that scientists like worked through as as time went on to kind of narr- nail down what they think actually happened. Yeah, and as you'll hear, a lot of these were kind of proved or disproved by the Apollo programs. Yeah. We so. just said yeah at the same time. Did you hear that? No. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's because it was so perfectly timed. <laughs> um, okay. Okay. <laughs> so, so yeah, wow, we're, we're not going to play that in game. Sync. We're not going to play that game. Um, wh- which one do you want to start with, Judd? Besides uh, the one that is the most, we'll end with what is has the most fruitful explanation to it. Of course. So, okay, let's just go over what the ideas are here. Right. Because how could a, how does a big space rock get orbiting around another space rock at a perfect spot where it's not going to get pulled in or shot away? You're saying our moon in general, how does a moon show up in the first place? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there's so, a few different ways. Yeah. All right. One of which, as you were saying, is the moon could come from somewhere else in, the, in space. And yeah. then as it's passing through the solar system, it gets close enough to Earth's like orbit that, or Earth's gravity that it, it gets in orbit. So... Yeah, it gets like caught. Essentially, the moon was a different object from a different place in space and just got caught. Yeah, it's like when you're driving through a town and then you see like an advertisement for some for some food and then you you pull into yep. the, that town and get food. What's that stop <laughs> for you on a road trip? Because mine's Big Boy if I'm making the trip into is, Michigan's Upper Peninsula. What is Big Boy? It's like a it's like a bar grill. It's like more of a breakfast place actually. Well. Maybe that's just when I get there is around breakfast time. But big boy, if we've got any mm. Michiganders listening this episode. That's what they're called? Michiganders? I think so. What do you think they're called? I don't Michiganers? Know. Michi- Michers? Yeah, there's really no other way. But like, I didn't really know that that's what people from Michigan were called. Oh, well, I'm, I'm just kind of making it up. But anyway, if there's anybody <laughs> from Michigan listening, if you DM me on Instagram, I'll give you a free month of our Patreon. <laughs> and if there's anybody from Elgin, Illinois, was that what it was called? Yeah, the people um, that named the stick of butter, that made the stick of butter. Brick, Shout out to you. Brick butter. No, they weren't the brick butter. No, they're no, the, no, they're oh, the okay. other one. Four, four by one. Yeah, yeah, four by one butter. Not a two by one. Anyway, um, what were we talking about? That one theory is that the moon was pulled into Earth right. as it was just passing through, and now it's just orbiting around the Earth. Right. But, but. we got those rock samples, exactly. and those rock samples... Didn't if we would expect the composition of those rock samples to be completely different if it formed somewhere else in the in right. the universe and, and floated into Earth. Expect expect. So we we can't ever see the tree fall when it have fall, when it right. fell four million four billion years ago. Right, that is true. Yeah, we're kind of like piecing together the crime scene like after it happened. If the moon had just came from somewhere else, why would the samples when we compare? earth samples and moon samples be so similar and i was thinking like well you know we're all kind of in the same solar system like wouldn't we expect to see some similarities but earth composition nowhere near mars mars composition nowhere near mercury nowhere near venus you know like 
it's just too perfect to be the case. Yeah. So we ex- so what we get from that is that at some point the moon and the earth had physical history with each other. Eh, that sounds weird. Um but like <laughs> they they touched. That's worse. So stop it. And it's funny because in this the reason that disproves this theory is also one of the reasons that proves another theory. Another theory. Yeah. And so so get go into the next one this one. <laughs> well, I was just pause for a second. Because I don't know about grav. Well, I do know what gravity is. I don't know that much about orbit physics or whatever. But just in my eyes, I can't imagine how anything could get caught into something's gravity and then make a perfect orbit. You know, like sail from a have have a completely different trajectory. We send spacecraft out and like fling it towards other directions. Like we'll do that around the sun to slingshot it out to further planets. Yeah. But we, I don't know why we would ever. As we know the. Even the orbits of our planets around the sun are not perfect circles. Circles, they're they're oblong. So it's true. Anyway, so yeah, now we can move into the next theory. Judd, what is fission? We've talked about fission in a nuclear sense before, but what's fission? It's <laughs> splitting apart, right? Yeah. Like one thing splitting into two smaller pieces. Yeah. So one theory is that the Earth essentially underwent fission. So when it was still in its hot and molten state, it was spinning so fast that it ejected material from its surface in that molten debris that was shot out collected in an orbit which eventually merged into the moon yeah that's got some meat to it right that theory is i can see it happening the only thing that, about that one that like didn't quite make sense to me was like if we were spinning that fast like why did just one chunk fly out from one side why wouldn't it we like there would be like an equal ejection of mass on all you're sides. saying like when you spin like like a wet towel in the air or whatever. It's just like water droplets fling around in all directions, not just like all the water ejecting. Yeah, so essentially, on one yeah. Part. Yeah, no, I get that. I, I, And another big piece of it is that the moon and the earth are not the same age. Yeah. Age being like the age of the rocks, if you look at the rocks. And so when rocks cool, that's when they like, quote unquote, settle, and we can measure the period from which they hardened. Mm-hmm. Right when we take rock samples now, but we know based on Judd was saying lunar samples from the surface of the moon, and also obviously it's pretty easy for us to get rocks on Earth that the two planets are different ages. And so if they were both molten and then the moon ejected from the Earth, you would expect them to cool the same and thus be the same age. But we know yeah. that's not the case. But I mean that's what NASA said when I was reading into it. But in my eyes, if two things are different sizes, wouldn't they cool at different rates? Yeah, but like surface, larger surface area actually, I would imagine would cool faster in terms of like how it works in space. But and also maybe just the surfaces cooled the same. You know, like okay, inside since the Earth is bigger, like the inside took longer, but the outside like are kind of I mean, in yeah, the same conditions. So yeah, think I mean think about pretty much anything. The outside, if you just the outside will cool first, and the inside is either still hot or if you put when in you the microwave, microwave that food, inside's yeah. still cold. <sighs> Somebody's <laughs> got to fix that, right? We've had microwave for so long. And that's you can what put the, food in the microwave. spinny table is on the bottom. That's what that's for. I guess. We need to... Because I'm pretty like, sure we talked about how microwaves... I'm pretty sure I explained how microwaves work before on the podcast. I think so. I just know that we need to have a probe that like comes down from the top and sticks in your food and then like warms it inside too. <laughs> I think that's a good idea. I don't know why that's silly. You know, yeah, no. Go ahead, make it. <laughs> or change the frequency of the thing to penetrate it more, you know? So 
have a different wavelength depending on what food you're eating. Yeah, like at. how thick the food is. I th- yeah. There's some meat to that. <laughs> That's not how a microwave works, though. You can't change the... F- listen, listen, listen. It- I never claimed to be a microwave scientist. Um, Where are we at right now? Oh, yeah. So another idea is that... Oh, and I forgot to say about the molten, about the molten thing, right? The spinning out the molten. Yeah. There's no evidence or no reason to believe also that the earth was ever spinning that fast, right? Think about how fast something would have to spin to eject moon-sized mass from its surface. Yeah. You know, that just like doesn't make sense. The, the, the physical speed that that would have to achieve is ridiculous. Yeah, I think, I don't know. It wouldn't, that theory seems the most far-fetched, but I just Same. realized like which one it actually probably is. Like which, is which theory. So like when two planets really love each other. Dude, okay. <laughs> Calm down. The third theory is that the Earth and the Moon formed out of the same material that was orbiting around the sun. So in the same way that Earth formed by like collecting debris as it was orbiting the sun and becoming its own planet, right? Just the way that any protoplanet forms. The idea is that the moon formed alongside Earth out of that same material. And the reason that that one doesn't work is because like if, if you had a bunch of space rocks in one place and then one like one clump started to form, that would have more gravity. So you'd expect all the clumps to go to one spot, right? That's what, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. It's like, why would they form separately yeah. in the first place? Also, the Earth and the moon, yes, they have similar rock structures, but they're not identical, right? They're not like the moon wasn't like some mini Earth. And I don't just mean because, you know, the moon doesn't have an atmosphere, so there's a reason that they don't look the same. But I mean, I mean, there's more to it than that. The actual composition of the moon doesn't, the you know, the core, the mantle, the crust, it doesn't look the same as it does on Earth. Yeah. So they're really similar, but not the same. And in my eyes, that's what I would expect if they were forming out of the same material at the exact same time. Yeah, I guess I'm not really sure how we've never like touched our own mantle. I don't know how we confirm what's in our mantle, you know? I know that... I talked about this last fall is that remember when I said like we found a quote unquote like ocean in the mantle or like water in the mantle. Oh yeah. But that was, that was different. I think because we were just like, okay, well this mineral has to be in it because we know this mineral holds a bunch of water. And when the shockwaves from earthquakes Earthquakes happen, they slow down when they go through certain regions. Yeah, We do know the speed that's which like waves will travel through. Mm -hmm. So there's some probably peculiar science as to how we know about the earth's mantle. I guess ocean rock comes from the mantle. So what am I saying? Yeah, or any time, right, like like plates move into each other, plate slippage, and then we'd get like stuff forced up towards the surface. That's a nice Magma is coming from the mantle, so that's how we know. Wow, I'm surprised that I didn't put that together. There's geological history or activity on moons, right? We know that about like the ones in Saturn and Jupiter. A moon quake. That's the thing. A moon quake is any sort of seismic tremor that occurs on the moon. I mean, it says it says these tremors are typically weaker than those that occur on Earth. So I guess they do happen. Anyway, let's move into the last theory, which is like what scientists believe to have happened to create the moon. Okay. Do you think everybody's prepared for that? I don't think so. Maybe you guys have pieced this together already, but the moon formed via a giant collision with another object from space. It's called the giant collision theory, and it's the most widely accepted explanation for why the moon is here. The large body was big enough to penetrate the Earth's crust and reach the mantle, which is why we know that the moon, to some extent, is composed of material from Earth's mantle. 
there's where the simili- similarity began. The large body that collided, though, was named Thea. I think it's Thea, not Thea, because there's an I in there. It's I called, think so, too. It's called Thea, which is, this is interesting, after the Greek Titan, who is the mother of the goddess of the moon. So the large body that collided to create the moon is named after the mother of the goddess of the moon. So that's why we named it those things, which means it has to have formed in that way. Exactly, because so why else would a scientist name it that way if it wasn't exactly. true? Because so they couldn't be wrong about it. No, never. No, no well... I like how deep, like, or how much thinking goes into naming name that except, type of thing. Because, like, except, I wouldn't have thought that far. Except we dish off... I've um, been, like, Judd Jr. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you find one moon, it's instantly Judd Jr. They're like, do you want to think about it more? Nope. That's it. Nope, that's it. I think that's perfect. <laughs> Other moons, if you kind of, like, learn about the solar system, they're usually named after people in Greek mythology and, like, there's thought that goes into it. Which is interesting because why do we dish off naming Psyche and Bennu? Or not Psyche... Uh, Benu and to some little kid to some kid yeah they were like okay naming competition they're like six-year-old perfect but they had the competition and like she, guess, the name they, was good they won fair Could, and square is what you're saying wasn't it i can't remember like the reasoning behind it there was still reasoning you're saying yeah uh, no, no there was thought in it though yeah. yeah they they weren't just like kids named junior i don't know how that kid put all that together if i was a kid i would have named it junior. it was their parent or if let's it was be real <laughs> let's be real they're gonna listen to this once they grow up finally and they'll be like you guys their their dad or mom paid them to yeah. to put in the submission because they knew they would pick the six-year-old we said last episode or the episode before whatever the asteroid that killed the dinosaurs was 10 kilometers but the that only left a crater imagine how big the object would have to be and how fast it would have to collide with the earth to break down to the mantle and then eject that material out into space was earth i don't in the simulation that i saw i guess i don't think Earth was hardened at this point. I want. I think it was still like a molten. Good point. Good point. Yeah. It was which still, still. I mean, it has to go through all that, but. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, I feel like molten. No, it wouldn't be harder, but like it would. What do you call it? Increase the distance over which the force is applied. Like slow it down. Yeah. More, so it wouldn't be as energetic at the initial collision. When I think of molten rock, I think of that stuff um, that you make with cornstarch and water. Yeah. Um, Ublek. Ublek. The it's one where you, be, if you hit it really hard, it becomes a solid. Is that what you're talking yeah, about? That's yeah, that's that's pretty cool. We mm-hmm. should have Tim talk about that. We should do an episode where we have to walk on it the whole episode, so we have to keep pitter-pattering our feet <laughs> to stay above it. We could call ourselves no. the Ubros, and then our whole podcast, the whole idea would be because <sighs> we talk horrible. about anything There's while walking on that. No, no. Anyways. <laughs> did we just say that at the same time? No. Yeah, we did. No. Okay, so... When the collision happened, obviously, like, a bunch of degree, degree, man, I'm thinking about graduating, a bunch of debris was, like, scattered out into space. And some of this was captured within Earth's orbit, but, you know, a a bunch of it, too, was spewed out into space. So imagine how much debris would have to have been scattered in the first place to still leave enough in the orbit to form the moon. Yeah. Because the moon is pretty big. Yeah. Anyways. And it had to be big enough to create a semispherical shape, which we know is difficult because there are huge asteroids out in space that still can't yeah, become that are rough circular. And, or Even moons of other planets are not uh, perfectly spherical. Yeah. The simulation said that there was a, another celestial body that collided with Earth kind of so. off-center, and that impact spewed out... Um, it spewed out rock from Earth, like uh, out from where this, the side that the crater impacted, and also spewed out stuff on the other side. So... In the direction it was going and in the direction it came from. Yeah, because it kind of like clipped Earth on the edge. So it almost like spewed out and then went off Get on an clipped, angle. Get clipped, bro. Yeah. 
it kind of created like an entire line of debris. There's like a line of debris and then that is spinning around the earth. So towards the earth, it's like close and traveling at the similar velocity as earth. But then as you go further out, it's going slower. So then it tails off. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So So the debris closer to Earth is moving along with the Earth at roughly the same speed, and the stuff that got speed far out is going slowly. Yeah. Okay. So what eventually happens is that that bigger clump close to Earth ends up getting shot out of Earth because it's too large to stay in orbit, going too fast. And then what that does, it's sort of like a slingshot. So now, and that, because that big clump has a gravity that's pulling that the smaller one towards it. And then that clump ha then has enough velocity to stay and form an orbit. But then that bigger one, because it shot out that far, it didn't escape. So it gets pulled back in and eventually recollected with Earth. So that smaller clump became our moon. So what you're saying is go look up a video of a of simulation. simulation. Yeah. <laughs> because it's hard to explain. But in each of these pieces of debris, it's, it's complex because each of the pieces of debris has its own gravity because there's so much of it. Yeah. So it creates this weird complex slingshot effects. Okay, yeah, so basically giant collision theory, if you take away anything from it, imagine how hard the collision had to be to create enough debris to form something that could become circular. Yeah, it'd be cool to see because I think because the spots on the moon that are like rusted, it'd been cool to see the moon like right after it was formed. Sort of like if we could see the pyramids before they like got all the marble stolen off of them or the Statue of Liberty before it rusted. Let's go into how we know about the moon. So Judd said we collected a bunch of um, samples of rock from the moon's surface over multiple missions. But what you probably don't know is that it was actually 842 pounds total of lunar samples that have been brought back to Earth. That's a lot. Yes. Um, and all the evidence that we can take away from these rocks kind of line up towards this giant collision theory. The, first of all, age of the moon rocks. We talked about that. The age of the moon rocks are different than the age of the earth rocks, um, which means they formed at incredibly different times, like differences of tens of millions of years. Also, the composition of the moon show that it was at some point magma. If it was at some point magma while it was in the orbit, that would point to the giant collision theory as well, because you would need a high energy impact to make something molten. Oh, also the samples had relatively little of any elements that would vaporize in heat, meaning there are some elements, imagine water, for example, because that's just an easy, I don't know if this was actually in the Theia at some point or whatever, but it's just an easy, for example, is water, when it's heated up, vaporizes. When we look at moon rocks, there's nothing in there that if it was heated up, would vaporize yeah. or if there is it's very little of it yeah which also means that which means it was vaporized it was vaporized at one point and possibly a large collision we talked about that the mantles are similar and now here's where i'm gonna blow your mind judd so you're like how can we reach the moon's mantle in the south pole region of the moon there's a super super big crater it's so deep in fact that um it reaches down through the crust and into the mantle oh, okay. which is why people are really interested in the south pole region of the moon if you've been paying attention to like news yeah. that's been happening recently. we haven't sent humans have never been there so the moon has been hit a bunch of times that's why there's so many craters on it and so when these collisions happen stuff gets spewed out into space rocks and rock samples so we've actually collected a lot of lunar samples through lunar meteorites that have eventually made their way back down to Earth. Oh, that's cool. And I think we're able to tell that they're lunar meteorites because we can compare them to the physical samples that we've actually collected from the moon. So that's cool. Another weird experiment that has been able to confirm properties of the rocks on the moon is NASA can observe the reflective properties of the surface. If we look at the reflections on the surface, we can compare that to how we know other rocks reflect. 
the reflections hint at something called anerthersite. It's an igneous rock. What's an igneous rock? It's something that crystallizes out of magma. It had to be molten at some point. Boom, there again, giant collision. Boom. Technically, that also helps some of the other theories. Like knowing the Earth's or moon was at some point magma doesn't just say that the giant collision theory is right because it means you could fit that into a bunch of other theories too. But it's the similarities in the samples and the age difference that makes the biggest case. Okay, so yeah, the moon is it's a cool place. I sometimes on other points in the podcast have talked about phenomena and events on Earth being kind of like by design or like too perfect to be by chance, right? And I think the moon is another situation in which we have like no chance by design kind of thing going on. Because the fact that we only have one moon, right? Not a bunch. We know other planets have tons of moons. The fact that we have one, not two, not zero, whatever, just one moon. Yeah. It's the perfect size. Perfect distance from Earth. This will be a whole nother episode at some point, but like the moon is so useful to us, not just in like the way that humans have been able to learn to use it, whether it's for calendric purposes or for um, keeping track of time. That's the same thing. Uh, It's useful to humans, but also useful to nature because, for example, the tides, Mm -hmm. right, are useful for reproductive cycles and cycling nutrients within the oceans. Also, they were the things that gave um, fish and other animals the ability to live like between the water and the, the beaches, right? Like that middle ground area because the nutrients cycle up in the high tides and down in the low tides and they yeah. can travel between those two areas. Um, and also the balance of temperature and energy on the planet is aided by the tides because as the water moves, it helps transfer and cycle heat on the surface yeah so just like stuff like that it serves us a purpose not just in being the thing that's like mesmerized us for so long but it's just hours it goes even further that is like the moon one day could be like another home for humans i think that's yeah like that could be a goal of ours too because we want to get off earth or have multiple planets that we live on eventually in case something were to happen on earth for now the moon is being a stepping stone in that because for the Artemis 3, we'll actually have people touch down on the moon. Um, yeah, and live there for a long period, right? I think it's it's just one week. Oh, okay. They're not going to be there too long. But I it really sucks. I still can't even imagine waking up on the moon, you know? like, <laughs> like going. To, I couldn't imagine going to sleep because... Yeah, even being able to fall asleep when you know you're on the moon. Well, yes, there's that. But it's also if you go to the, like, depending on where they're going, and I don't know where it is, like, there's no... there won't If they go to the back, there's no sunlight. But they're going... No, oh, no, they're going to the South Pole. Because I'd want to stay awake. Yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm only going to be here for like a week. Like, people have been looking up at that for the forever, and probably a lot of them thinking, I wonder if I could ever go there, yeah. you know? And then you're that person that's sleeping there for the first time. Yeah. Weird. I've got a couple other things that were, like, interesting information. The ratio of the moon's core to the rest of the planet and the ratio of Earth's core to the rest of the planet is different because the Earth is 50% core, and yeah, the moon is 20% core. In terms of, like, just radius... I think so. Like, Diam- the, like a part of the diameter. Of the yeah. Or, yeah, either yeah. one, same thing. So that also points to the idea that they weren't formed out of the same material at the same time, because why wouldn't they have just like... The ratio of iron to other materials in the moon is different from iron to other elements on Earth. Iron's a heavy element, which would not have been as easily ejected from the planet oh, or been more attracted ejection. to the Earth again during a giant collision. And so they wouldn't have ended up in the satellite of the moon, right? Oh, that's cool. 
easier to understand than some of the other like theories that we go we talk about on the show because it's gravity. Everybody experiences it. Everybody knows how it works. Also, the outer layer of the moon, the crust, it's thinner on the side facing Earth. I said thinner on the side facing Earth, right? Yeah, and thicker on the side facing away. And we don't know why that is. I have a theory about it, which is that the Earth has a gravitational effect, right? So it's like pulling the mantle material, the heavier material more that could be. towards it, right? Because they're facing each other, tidally locked. So the mantle material, the heavier material is more concentrated on one side versus the other. Maybe. I don't know if that's... Because, uh, like, does but that it, happen here on Earth with us and the sun, you know? So I don't... But we rotate. Well, the, the moon is tidally locked, right? Like, we only see one side of it. Yeah, that's true. So that's my thought. Oh, also with um, heavier... Well, f- I keep saying also <laughs> and then reading the same point again. There's other differences between the sides of the moon. Like, there's no volcanic activity and no radioactive elements on the far side. The volcanic at- activity makes a little more sense because, like, with plate tectonics, maybe it's the gravity of the Earth that's moving them. And I said no, but it's just it's very little volcanic activity and radioactive elements. And radioactive elements are, what, lighter or heavier than normal elements? They'd be heavier. Exactly. So another thing, it's like they're closer to Earth. That's yeah. my thought. I wonder, I, didn't, I guess I didn't even know that there were radioactive materials on the moon. Is it? It's not like it's, like, plutonium and, like, yeah. Well, maybe it is, but I, I guess it's just like not like glowing green stuff like we imagine it to be. It's just like right. there's probably radioactive rocks if we dig deep enough here, too. Yeah, I yeah. guess I think of it as like very exotic matter because it has to form through fusion. Um, and that only happens in either stars or, yeah, basically only in stars. Judd, why are there so many craters on the moon? But it's a bonus question. Just asteroid impacts. Right. But why don't we have a ton of craters on Earth? The atmosphere. Boom. Hey, nice job. Um, That was my last bonus question. And my my last piece is that the moon is moving away from the earth at an inch and a half a year. Oh, so it's going to lose its orbit eventually. With many millions of years, I'd expect it to. But interesting, that means the the moon was closer to the earth at some point. What if we just put a big like engine on it, speed it up, so that it gets back into closer orbit. Yeah, can you explain that? Because they were saying that if the moon was closer, they being the people I was reading articles of, if the moon was closer to the Earth at some point, that means the Earth would have had to have been spinning faster. But I don't see how spinning has to do with the distance, right? Imagine four billion years, that's four billion inches. How many? You're saying the Earth was spinning more or the moon was? The Earth. The Earth was spinning more when the moon was closer. I hate how Apple calculator can't go to billions. <laughs> How useless is it? You only use Apple Calculator when it comes to like Can you do you facts scientific or shit like though. that? Dude, nobody knows how to do scientific notes. Like I do, but you know, it's always lose track of the, 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 the thingy. Yes, exactly, dude. Engineers. Yeah, I don't, I guess. 63, it'd be 63,000 miles closer if it moved in after 4 million years. Um, if it's moving an inch and a half per year. Well, I, I think that was even... Four million? No, I did that whole math wrong. Just forget it. It would be so much closer, though. It'd be, it'd be closer. Still, don't I don't know why the, it, the spinning thing... I think it's to... conservation of angular momentum because there's a center of mass with the Earth and the moon. You know, like when you yeah. bring your hands closer together when you're skating? So it's like if the moon gets closer, the gravity of everything is getting closer together, so everything's spinning faster. Yeah. That, oh, so yeah, because it has to orbit faster. That makes sense. But no, you said it better. By the way, we're wearing merch. The, the merch right now. Um, if you like, Judge, show me your, the back of your shirt. Give him a spin.
if you're listening to this episode, the store probably dropped. We university is expanding. We started our new Merch. apparel store. <laughs> it's called Pocket Science. You can go to shoppocketscience.com to get all sorts of cool goodies and stuff like that. Yeah, right. I think the designs turned out pretty good. I'm excited about them. I and we'll keep dropping like them, them as we go. Yeah. yeah. And for a limited time, you can get free shipping. Plus, you can get 20% off if you're a Patreon member. Yeah. So and at the lowest tier. And Patreon members for life. get to, like AJ said earlier, this episode was voted on by our Patreon members. So if you want to ha- put up some input, yeah, join the Patreon. Or if you want to submit Q&A questions, or if you want to watch the video episodes, or if you want to get live streams of the video episodes, or if you want to get episodes early, or if you want to get the merch discounts, or if you want to get free merch or enter into free merch drawings, everything. There's so much. Go check it out. (laughs) Yeah. How was that for a speed run of a, of a shout out or what do you call that? A plug plug. Yeah. Um, should we do a listener shout out then and and then call it? I actually think we're running. I got to send this survey out again. It's been a while. Okay. Today's listener shout out is Quentin or he's from Iowa. He says, I like the flow of the podcast and the brain gains at the beginning. I love the brain gains too, except for when Judd said moon moons are a thing. No, that was moon pretty horrible. Sweet. That's the best brain gains you've ever had. Um, I think there's a lot of interesting topics that you guys... Way more have. interesting than butter. No, nothing's more interesting than butter, bro. It's the thing that oh has elevated gosh. cooking experiences for centuries. Or however butter... And we just talked about how made. the moon elevates our living experience. Yeah. So the moon's way bigger deal. I guess, but is the brain gains ever supposed to take the cake of the episode? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. According to Quentin. Sorry, Quentin, it. we cut you off. Um, I think there's a lot of interesting Sorry. topics you guys take on and talk about them in a unique way. I would like to hear episodes on vacuums, like... Like the vacuum of space. I'm guessing he's saying that and not Dyson's, but we could do an episode on Dyson's. If I mean, it's the down. same thing. Let's do it. Put it down on the list. JWT, I think he means the James Webb and ancient Egyptians. And he says, and different theories on them as well as creation of the pyramids. I enjoy, eco- I enjoy ecology and nature a lot, but I know that's not exactly what the podcast covers. We can cover whatever is encapsulated within earth existence and the unknown. If you can fit it in one of those like categories, those damn, we'll talk about it, yeah. Quentin had a special message too. He <laughs> just says, we need more Ernest Matson on the podcast. What the f***? Wait. Who is this guy? Who is he? Now I must, now I must know him through a second um, source. I think... The building of the pyramids is pretty fascinating. I think we could just do like crazy feats that humans have accomplished. Have accomplished from pyramids to nuclear fusion, a to, history of awesome. To inflatable space stations. To inflatable space stations. To Prada spacesuits. <sighs> we're going up. Those those Egyptians didn't know what they were missing, bro. Yeah. Born in the wrong time period. Could have had Prada spacesuits. I was born in the wrong time. I should have been a an Egyptian pyramid builder for my entire <laughs> life. Those guys were way bigger than us, so probably jacked. So. <laughs> The guys were smaller than us back. Humans were very small. Really? Like Roman gladiators and stuff. Those dudes are on average five foot tall. I know you're really trying hard to convince yourself right now that you can take down a Roman gladiator. I know I could. Oh, okay. They were five foot tall. Yeah. You step on them. And they didn't have trend. <laughs> they didn't have a trend. Because <laughs> <laughs> humans, I don't know, slowly just have gotten taller over time where I think... Yeah. We are hitting a... I mean, they're even There is like an upper regions. limit. Um, it was a good episode. Love talking about the moon. And we're going to be back in two weeks. And usually I say to talk about something we don't know yet. But we are going to be jumping back in to cover everything there is to know about other planets' moons. And I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. Oh, Ew. I don't want to hear about more moons, more moons, whatever. The f*** you don't. <laughs> it is wildly fascinating, not only how the number of moons, the composition of moons, the shapes of moons, the purposes of moons vary greatly, even just jumping 
a couple planets over. All right, Moon Boy. There's a lot. Moon Boy, you're Moon <laughs> Moon Boy, so I don't really know what's worse. Um, that's way cooler. Judson Martin signing off. It's been a great career at Walmart. <laughs> Morris, Illinois. Garrett, Morris, Illinois. Judson Martin Three, signing out. Two, Good night. One. Good night. <laughs>